2: Coming up on the Box of Oddities, people who think they're dead and other strange diseases, and one of the most bizarre missing person cases in history. If it's weird, we talk about it on the Box of Oddities.
3: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The world is full of stories stories of mysteries, of curiosities, of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
2: First, let me just say um, I love you. Thank you. And I'm here here for you. Oh, no. But I'm worried. Um, I just want you to know treatment works. I'm concerned about your chili lime powder consumption. She puts it in everything. I caught cat putting chili lime in seasoning. her seasoning, yeah, like in the in the bottle um, in her yogurt. what What's going on, honey?
3: You know, I, first of all, I don't appreciate your attitude. Secondly, it's delicious, uh-huh. and I love it.
2: It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's Does it di-
3: harm you in any way? It's
2: a disease it's, that can be overcome. It's not
3: that bad. <laughs> I don't use it that much.
2: You know, that's not true. Every time we go by Trader Joe's, we have to make a stop to run in and get you some more of the chili lime seasoning. Yeah.
3: Tahine will work if I'm out of the Trader Joe's chili lime. By the way, Trader Joe's, if you would like to sponsor the Box of
1: Oddities, (laughs) I
3: can be bought with chili lime.
2: That's for sure.
3: The thing is that it's very, very good. And (laughs) so I don't feel like your criticism is fair.
2: You know, it started out with just one of those little small bottles of seasoning, and then you graduated quickly to the larger ones. And now we go to Costco. And you're buying containers the size of a concrete block full of chili lime.
3: Okay. Everyone knows that you're lying now because I've never been to Costco.
2: Anyway, I think you're brave and I'm here for you. (laughs)
3: You're such a goober.
2: (laughs) Well, we all know that the world is full of stories. (laughs) Yep. The world's full of strange and mysterious diseases. This is true. One of the strangest diseases, and we've touched on this in the past, is Cotard's delusion. This is, just as a refresher, those who suffer from Cotard's delusion are convinced that they're dead. Right. And that their body is rotting and parts of their bodies are dropping off.
3: That's got to be terrifying.
2: Yeah, it's also referred to as zombie disease. Right. And yeah, it's got to be just a horrific condition. It's been determined that Cotard's disease is due to an area of the brain that uh, recognizes emotions, normally, in a healthy brain. But with Cotard's disease, those affected with it can't recognize emotions. And so this part of the brain is not functioning properly. And that leads to a feeling of detachment, and that leads to Cotard's disease. It's fascinating. It
3: is fascinating.
2: There was a case in the Philippines not long ago, a woman who was admitted to a a psychiatric unit by her family because she had been complaining of being dead and uh, smelling like rotting flesh. She insisted that her family take her to the morgue so that she could be with other dead people. But in her case, they were able to successfully treat her with different medications. And after a month she seemed to be in a far better place and oh, showed goodness. optimism for the future.
3: That's great. So
2: that's a, that's, a, that's a happy ending.
3: I just feel like that's not a sentence I hear a lot is, she complained of being dead.
2: Yeah, yeah. And take me to the morgue so I can hang out with people of my own kind, you know, cadavers. There's, there was another strange disease that we've touched on briefly in the past. I think you did a, an episode on it, alien hand syndrome. Yes. It used to be called the devil's hand. And basically it's when your hand does whatever the hell it wants.
3: Taking care of its own business. You yeah. mind yours.
2: There have been cases where a person with alien hand syndrome had been peacefully sound asleep and was woken up by somebody forcefully grabbing their throat and trying to strangle them only to realize it was their own hand. What the actual F.
3: What the actual evil dead?
2: It's like your hand has a mind of its own. The affliction is extremely rare, with only about 45 recorded cases since its, uh, its discovery. Yeah. But, uh, wow. But then there are other strange diseases and afflictions that we haven't talked about, like anum, also known as dectilosis spontanei. This is another strange one. Um, it's a bizarre autoimmune disease.
3: Dectylosis spontanei. So, spontaneous. Spontaneous additional somethings.
2: You're on the right track. It's a bizarre auto amputation disease. Oh. And it's extremely painful. It's one where a person's toe will just randomly fall off.
1: No. Yeah,
2: bilateral spontaneous auto amputation.
1: Oh,
3: my gosh.
2: Now, it's not something that happens quickly either. Like, you know, you're just sitting down to watch TV and you put your feet up and your toe falls off. Right. It's a process and it happens over a period of time and it's very painful. Sometimes it takes a few months, sometimes it takes years. We have no idea why this happens and there's no cure for it, not yet anyway. You know when you see somebody that yawns and it makes you want to yawn, just the fact that I mentioned the word yawn, you are probably yawning right now. That's due to something called mirror neurons. And it's not just yawning. Perhaps you've seen a person laughing, mm-hmm. and the laughing becomes contagious, and pretty soon everybody's laughing uncontrollably for no reason. Or you see somebody crying, and that makes you cry. Yeah. Mirror neurons are responsible for that. According to Wikipedia, a mirror neuron is a neuron that fires both when an animal acts and when an animal observes the same action performed by another. So the neuron mirrors the behavior of the other as though the observer is itself acting. Mirror neurons have been observed in humans and primate species as well as uh, birds. But there are some people who suffer with mirror touch synesthesia. These people are believed to have mirror neurons that are way overactive. And it makes their sympathetic responses far more dramatic to the point where they're literally feeling the other person's pain, whether it be physical or emotional. So if you see somebody whose toe falls off, um, you feel the pain that they feel.
3: I thought we were done talking about me.
2: <laughs> you, no, know you you're more apt to feel the other person's pain emotionally now we've all heard stories of people in history that received such a fright or a shock that it turned their hair white right overnight i always thought this was kind of like a wife's tale or an urban legend but it's a real thing they call it uh, marie antoinette syndrome among other things okay it's when your hair abruptly turns white as a result to stress or bad news. It was said that Marie Antoinette, of course, the queen of France, on the night before her execution, the night before she was guillotined, her hair turned white overnight. Another famous person who, whose hair turned white rather quickly, Barack Obama. He is, really? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't overnight with him but it was just in a period of weeks. It was quite, quite rapid.
3: Well, I think that happens to a lot of presidents. Well, again,
2: (laughs) high stress, right? right? It's been connected to an autoimmune disorder that affects pigment production and melanin. So excessive stress or experiencing something that's frightful or horrific, in people with this disorder, their hair can turn white in a very short amount of time. Sometimes it's weeks or months. Sometimes it's days or hours. Wow. It's incredible.
3: And I love that it's referred to as a shock of white hair. A
2: shock of white hair, yeah.
3: That's just a fun language thing I enjoy.
2: For those of us who suffer with allergies, we all understand the pain, the discomfort, the inconvenience of having an allergic reaction. Sometimes it can be deadly, of course, and usually the best practice if you're allergic to something is to stay away from it um, if you're allergic to cats and dogs probably a good idea not to have them in your house if you're allergic to milk or peanuts for example it's probably a good idea to stay away from those two but What if you're allergic to something that you need to survive? Like water? Like water. There's a very rare disorder called aquagenic urticaria that causes people who have it to break out into hives if they come in contact with water. They are literally allergic to water.
3: How do you stay hydrated?
2: Well, that's the thing. They can drink it. It's just if they come in contact with it, uh, their their skin will will break out sufferers have been known to bathe in baking powder and to also cover their bodies with creams to help deal with, uh, with the pain. It's uh, my understanding that they can drink water, but it's gotta suck to think you're outside and you know, a sudden rainstorm comes and-
3: You're in danger. Yeah,
2: you break out into huge welts and, hi- and hives. It's gotta be terrifying. Ugh. Now, some of us have good memories and some not so much. Oftentimes the brain will prevent a person from remembering painful or difficult experiences. It's a form of self-protection. Um, but what about people who remember everything yeah. that ever happened in, in their lives, every single day, every hour? Well, it's real, and it's called hyperthymesia. People with this condition can tell you what they were doing, for example, Twenty years ago, to the exact minute, I would think that would be torture.
3: Exhausting. Every pain that you've ever had, yeah. every breakup that you've ever had mm-hmm. you remember entirely.
2: In great detail. Ugh. And again, this is a very rare condition. Only about thirty three people have ever been officially diagnosed with it. Wow. Some see it as a blessing, most seem to feel as though it's a, a curse, being constantly haunted by their incredibly detailed memories.
3: Right. What's the opposite of that? I have that.
2: Now, earlier we talked about the disease where people can literally feel another person's physical or emotional pain. But there are people who not only don't feel other people's pain, but don't feel their own pain.
3: Right, that's really dangerous.
2: It is, it's a condition that's referred to as congenital analgesia. It's hereditary, it's a genetic mutation which keeps the pain signals in the nerve system from reaching the brain. I knew a guy with this condition. He you was did? yeah, he was the manager over at the mall in Bangor when we lived in Maine. I remember seeing him outside in the dead of winter. It was freezing out. It was one of those really, really cold winter days in Maine. And he was just wearing like a thin shirt. And I asked him, I said, Aren't you cold? And he said, No, he he, he doesn't feel pain.
3: Was this Strange. during one of the food drives?
2: It was, uh, for the radio station that we both worked for, and that went on for a long time. Mm. And, and he was manager at the mall. He'd come out and check on us and stuff, and oftentimes just, you know, in a short sleeve shirt in the middle of the wintertime.
3: time. Jeez Louise.
2: And you're right. I think it does, it, it can be very dangerous if your pain signals aren't getting uh, to your brain. You could severely hurt yourself, uh, you know, like if you don't know you've put your hand on a hot burner um,
3: Right. Pain is a signal to keep us safe. It's just That's what pain is for. What happens
2: if you cut your back and you don't know that you've cut it and it becomes infected because you haven't uh, treated it? An infection would set in. There was a case where a woman broke a bone and didn't even realize it. And finally, the stone man syndrome.
3: I don't think I like this one.
2: It's extremely rare. It's a disease that fuses your bones together. It locks you into a position that you cannot move from. Only one in about two million people suffer from this affliction. And what happens is the connective tissue, like muscle tendons and ligaments, they will turn from fibrous tissue into bone tissue. Mm. It's the only known medical condition where one organ system changes into
3: another. We don't understand anything.
2: No. (laughs) It's severe, it's disabling, and there is no cure or treatment for it as of now. And it's due to a mutation of the gene ACVR1. And uh, what that does is it affects the body's repair mechanism, which causes the connective tissue to become ossified. Sometimes it happens spontaneously. No. Yeah. And sometimes... It happens if a person uh, harms themselves, maybe uh, they broke a bone or they tore a muscle or something, Mm -hmm. and it will attempt to repair itself.
3: But it does it wrong.
2: But it does it wrong. (gasps) Now, even surgical removal of extra bone growth does not work because the body will attempt to repair the affected area with more bone tissue. There's no way out. Right. It's horrifying.
3: Oh, gosh.
2: So these are a few reasons that I thought I'd give you to be grateful today. (laughs) All the things that we deal with, at least our toes not falling off, or we think we're dead, or we're slowly turning into a statue. My source information, Wikipedia, The Smithsonian, and Mysteries Unsolved. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca.
3: And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them.
2: Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help.
3: Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families, Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills.
2: Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely, thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer.
1: And now, that thing in the middle.
2: We are all well aware of the importance of a good night's sleep. But did you know that sleep literally cleans your brain? During slumber, more cerebral spinal fluid flushes through the brain and cleanses it, it washes away harmful toxins and proteins that have built up during the day. Hey, somebody sent me a screenshot of this. This is uh, from uh, Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is one of those secondary ticket outlet places, oh, like, okay. like, like StubHub. Stub yeah, that kind of place. Um, it says, "So you want to see the box of oddities live? Good news, we've got you covered." The Box of Oddities has become one of the top acts in the 2023 comedy world, delighting fans with a one-on-one kind of show, and vivid seats can help you get there. Um, guys, oh. we're, we haven't been on tour this year.
3: Um, that, I mean, that's exciting. Yeah. That's great news. Makes me want to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Confused.
2: Confused, But yeah. pleased. Yeah. We will get back out on the road again soon. We're really looking forward to it. I miss... I miss live shows. Me too. I do.
3: I don't miss the nausea that I get when we do them, (laughs) but Mm. the rest of it's pretty nice.
2: It's pretty entertaining for people in the audience, though, to watch two people with extreme social anxiety disorder. Uh, Get up on stage in front of people.
3: (laughs) Misty sent us a message. I was just listening to an episode about time travel safaris. And at the end, you say the episode was recorded four years in the future and sent back to the listeners. (laughs) It's not quite four years, but I am indeed listening to it in the future. Now that I'm typing out this message, it doesn't make total sense. But you get what I'm trying to say.
2: I love that. (laughs) The story you had a couple of episodes ago about uh, John Thompson, the guy who had his arms ripped off yeah. by, a, by a grain thresher and had them reattached and how he would go out and uh, talk with people who suffered from... Um, Horrible accidents that caused either amputation or reattachment. Jess sent us an email. My uncle was visited by John Thompson after his arm reattachment. Wow. My uncle had both of his arms reattached after a rock crushing machine ripped him off in 1986. He's cool as
0: hell too.
3: (laughs) That's great. I mean, not the... No, God,
0: no, no, no. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you.
3: Part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Bye bye.
0: I'll be seeing you.
2: Would you weave me a tale?
3: <laughs> John Johnson also known as Fritz, was a popular radio station announcer, a television station sports director in Omaha. He was well-liked, well-known. He'd started off as a bartender, but his big personality and interesting style made him very memorable. Often, after his bartending shift, he would visit a local radio station, KBON, to use the recording equipment and practice his broadcasting skills. Eventually, he was hired by the station. Johnson was willing to do stunts for a good cause too, one time sitting on a flagpole for 15 days to raise money to fight polio. It sounds very similar to the kind of things that you've done in the past.
2: Yeah, I never sat on a flagpole, but uh, yeah, like the food drive thing that we mentioned earlier, we would stay outside in the dead of winter for three, three, four days and collect non-perishable food items. Some of the coldest and most distressing times in my life.
3: Then there was the time where you sat in every seat at the Arizona Stadium thing.
2: University of Arizona Stadium. We raised money for a guy who needed a bone marrow transplant. And I sat in every seat. And there's like 61,000 seats or something like that. I found that the knee was not meant to bend 61,000 times over a period of a week.
3: <laughs> then there was that cherry picker thing.
2: Oh, I did all kinds of stuff. And then you were on top stuff. of
3: a bank for a couple days. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I rode a tricycle underwater. I did all kinds of stupid <laughs> crap.
3: <laughs> I love it. Anyway, Fritz, as I said, had a big personality. He drove a hearse. He kept tropical fish. He was an archery enthusiast. He also had some really interesting habits. Like, instead of dating his checks the regular way, he did it by season. So instead of month, day, year, if it came due in July, he would write summer in the date section, Okay, which I don't think would fly these days. But it was the 60s, so it worked. Eventually, he wore an eye patch. This wasn't just for aesthetics, though. He had had surgery, which included removing his eye due to a cancerous tumor. Fritz was married to Nancy Zimmer. She was a divorcee, and he'd adopted her daughter, and later they had a son together. Well, in February of 1965, Fritz was demonstrating archery equipment at a sporting goods show in Chicago. A young woman walked up to him and said, Pardon me, aren't you my Uncle Larry who went missing eight years ago? What? Fritz said that he had no idea what she was talking about, but the girl was really persistent, so she reached out to some other family members who immediately drove to Chicago and checked it out for themselves. And they agreed this was 100% a not-dead Larry Bader.
2: (laughs) WTF?
3: So eight years before, in May of 1957, Larry Bader, was going to head out on a fishing trip on Lake Erie after work. The 30-year-old was a kitchen appliance salesman and an amateur archer from Akron, Ohio. Hmm. He'd been married to Mary Lou Knapp since 1952. And at the time, Larry's heading out to this fishing trip, Mary Lou is pregnant with their fourth child. When Mary Lou was like, hey... Maybe don't go fishing at night when your lady is chock-a-block with fetus. Mm. Uh, you should come home after work instead. Right, Larry was like, maybe I will and maybe I won't. <laughs> Charming. After work, Larry leased a boat from Eddie's boathouse in Cleveland. The proprietor warned Larry that a storm was coming, but Bader seemed unconcerned and out to sea he went. I suppose not technically a sea, but as we mentioned Mm -hmm. a couple episodes ago, the Great Lakes are very, very large. Lake Erie is the smallest of them, and it's 10,000 square miles. No big deal. Larry did not return. The boat was found the next day with no Larry inside. The boat had minor damage and was missing an oar. And according to the Coast Guard, the lake was so turbulent that no one could have survived overboard. About four days later, a charming, elegant, and well-dressed gentleman entered the Round Table Bar in Omaha, Nebraska, carrying a suitcase. He said his name was Fritz Johnson, and he was looking for a bartending job. Well, Fritz insisted that he had no knowledge of Larry Bader, whom he referred to as that other fellow. Hmm. But when his fingerprints were compared with Bader's military records, they matched. Fritz wow. was Larry Bader.
2: Wow.
3: Or the other way around. I'm not sure. In an interview with Life magazine, Fritz said, It was like a physical shock. Up until that moment, I had no doubt I was not Larry Bader. When I heard that, it was like a door had been slammed and somebody hit me right in the face. So, what happened? What now? Was this amnesia? Was it a hoax?
2: Now, with. Fritz, where he was when he was discovered. Fritz. Fritz. Did he remember having a past? Yes. And it was completely different from Larry Bader's? Yes. Wow.
3: Fritz said that he had just returned from a 14 year stint in the military. He had grown up in an orphanage in Boston. That's how he got the nickname Fritz, because everyone in the orphanage was given the name John Johnson, a generic name, but they were all given unique nicknames, and his was Fritz. Wow. So, what the heck? What the heck? Some of the details leading to Larry's disappearance led many to believe that this guy was faking it. Mm -hmm. First of all, Larry Bear wasn't dead. $20,000 in debt, to be exact. Keep in mind, this is the 60s.
2: That's a sizable chunk of change.
3: Right. And he was many years behind on his taxes. On the way to go fishing, he also cashed a check for $400 and paid some bills, including an installment premium for his life insurance policy. Mary Lou had received $39,500 from Larry's life insurance and had been receiving monthly social security payments of $254, so what happens with that? Also keep in mind that when Larry was renting this boat, he'd paid a $15 deposit and asked for the boat to be equipped with lights. Even though the proprietor told him it wouldn't get dark for hours, but Larry insisted. When he went out on the boat, the Coast Guard spotted him, and they reiterated that a storm was coming and advised that it wouldn't be safe once the storm hit. And Larry was all like, no big deal. Okay. That. Speaking of which, Larry had left behind a damaged rental that needed replacement. Eddie, the proprietor, was like, this guy owes us a boat. Now, years before, when Fritz had arrived at his new would-be employer, the Round Table. As I said, he told them that he'd just gotten out of the Navy. But the Boston orphanage thing, where did that come from? There was evidence that Larry maybe wanted to start again. But a team of psychiatrists examined Larry for 10 days. And their conclusion was that Fritz had no recollection of his former life. And doctors said that sometimes when you have certain types of amnesia, the brain just kind of fills things in. It's unusual, but it can happen. Now both Larry and Fritz did have military experience. Right, right. Larry had previously worked for a man named Fritz. Okay. So was his brain confused? Or was Fritz just trying to build a new life? This is a
2: question I would really appreciate an answer to.
3: Fritz told a reporter, all of a sudden I found out that 30 years of my life never happened. You see, I really do have 30 years of memory as Fritz Johnson. What am I supposed to do with those 30 years? Throw them out the door? In addition to the suggestion of dissociative amnesia, his lawyer theorized that the tumor that led to his eye having to be removed may have been responsible for Bader's apparent memory Interesting. loss.
2: Interesting.
3: And I got to thinking, maybe it's a combination of two things. Maybe Larry Bear was trying to start a new life, but something happened and led to him forgetting that he did have an old life.
2: That would be amazingly
3: ironic. Once Fritz was discovered to be Larry, things got pretty bad. He lost his job. The TV station was like, we don't know what to do with this. So Mm -hmm. bye. His marriage to Nancy was not going great because it was legally null and void. The double life thing really kind of made things tough. He went on to work at an Omaha bar with almost all of his earnings going toward Mary Lou and Nancy. Mary Lou's attorney said that a judgment by a court five years ago, in effect, basically wiped Larry out of existence. They had declared him dead. So wouldn't that mean that they were officially divorced? Wouldn't that mean that Fritz doesn't owe Mary Lou anything? But is his being declared dead declared null and void? Under the law, the attorney said that Miss Bader was no longer married and so therefore had no claim to Fritz's funds. Eventually, Mary Lou decided to meet up with Fritz in Chicago with their four kids in oh tow. God. One of which had been born after yeah. Larry went missing. And how
2: long was he missing for? Four years, you said?
3: You mean how long between the time he was discovered? It was eight years. Eight years, okay. But only four days between the point that he went missing in the fishing boat.
2: And he showed up. showed up
3: at the bar. Right. Which seems like a really short amount of time to build 30 years of life. Mm. Fritz insisted he had no recollection of meeting her, marrying her, or having a family with her. In 1966, cancer recurred in Larry's liver And less than a year after Fritz was recognized at that archery demonstration, he died at the age of 39.
2: Did he really though?
3: Who knows? Hmm. In Omaha, a service was held at the First Methodist Church for John Fritz Johnson. The next day, his body was transported to Akron so he could be buried in a family plot as Lawrence Joseph Bader. But so many questions were never answered
2: That is the strangest, most bizarre story I think you've told yet, and you've told some pretty weird ones.
3: What I'm like, I want to know what, like, what do you think happened?
2: Well, I think obviously the most likely thing is it was it was fraud. You know, he was trying to get out of things, and and
3: he was just able to trick all those doctors over the course of ten days of examinations.
2: I would agree that that seems unlikely, but I think it. out of all of the scenarios, that would be the most likely one.
3: Okay. I Like I said, I kind of lean toward the idea it was a little bit of both. Yeah, I think maybe he did try to escape his life, but maybe the turbulence of the sea was more than he had anticipated. Maybe he suffered a head injury, mm. maybe the tumor.
2: Yeah. Maybe the trauma of the event turned his hair white. <laughs> and made him forget. I mean, who knows? <laughs>
3: who knows? Quite literally, who knows? Only Fritz slash Larry.
2: No, and there's a question whether he does or not or did. Fascinating. The human mind is so incredibly fascinating and it, terrifying.
3: Yeah, brains are terrifying. <laughs> I think that's one thing we can take away from both of our stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I got my information from Mental Floss, from medium.com, wikipedia of course, and the Madeira Tribune, volume 73, number 190 from February 1965. And can I just say I adore that archived newspapers are on the internet. Mm. The fact that I could go back and find an article from 1965 blows my mind.
2: Certainly makes our job a lot easier, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> oh, that was a weird sound. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. We will see you next
1: time.
3: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
2: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak.
1: And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.
3: All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So, listen and subscribe to This Day in History, wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world. Plus